be aware of, if you have a smartphone and you want to follow along with uh, the things that we talk about today, you could go to the Uversion app if you have that and go to the tab section um, and click on live and then just search for the well Austin and you'll see notes and there's a question there and you can follow along with the scripture today. If you don't have that, you can actually type that particular link um, into your browser and it will take you there as well. So um, it'll, it'll guide you along with our discussion and our scriptures for today. So the, here's the question. If you were granted one wish, what would you wish for? And so here's what I want you to do. You can't cheat and say unlimited wishes, okay? I know how you are, so you can't do that. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to turn to somebody around you, and I just want you to tell them what it is that you would, you have one wish, what would you wish for? So talk to somebody around you, each of you share what you would wish for, go. Ten more seconds. Okay. Okay. All right. I didn't change anything. We're good? Okay, all right. Um, so, here's what I would wish for. This morning, what I wish for is that I, that I would not have to run out of the room on the way to the bathroom because Tori and I have both been sick. So, if I do have to run out of the room, um, then continue to talk about what you would wish for, for until I get back. Um, um, but, just real quickly, what were some of the things that you said that you would, if you had one wish, what would you wish for? Just real quick, throw those out. Teleport. Teleport. Okay, that would be cool. I would love that. Yeah, what else? Flying. What? Flying. I thought you said lying, and I thought, that's, I'm not sure that's a good thing to wish for. Um, flying, yes, that would be cool to fly. Yes, anything else? One year, paid vacation. One year of paid vacation. I like that. What else? Great health. Anything else? Financial freedom. More shoes. More shoes. <laughs> you already said you wanted to lie, so you don't get more shoes. I lied. Oh, fly, fly. Um, so there's a lot of stuff that we, that we had kind of wished for, and I think that's really interesting. Now, of course, like always, there was a little bit of a trick in the question, right? And so um, here's the trick in this. So a similar thing, somewhat similar, God comes um, to this guy who now becomes king, King Solomon, and God says, what is it that I can give you that will help you? What do you, what do you most want? What do you most desire? What do you most need? And he could have come up with a lot of stuff, but you know what he came up with? What he said, I need wisdom, would you give me wisdom? Now, I don't think that that means that all the things that you wished for were bad or wrong, but that happens to be what we're going to talk about today. So John chapter 3, John. James chapter 3. So if you want to go to James chapter 3 is where we're going to be, and we're simply talking about wisdom today. As we talk about wisdom, it's important to understand that sometimes we use the wrong definition for wisdom, right? So as we talk about wisdom today, it's important to understand that we're not talking about IQ. We're not talking about gathering information 
Okay, wisdom is actually something completely separate from that, and we're going to talk about what it actually is. And so I just want you to understand that as we talk about wisdom today, we're not talking about intellect, we're not talking about IQ, we're not talking about those people that are just really good at trivial pursuit. Um, Those are not the things that we're talking about when we talk about wisdom, but we're going to learn from James today um, what is wisdom, how do we get it, why should we want it, those are the things that we're going to learn. So James chapter 3, starting in verse 13, it says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? By his good conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Now, if you come today and maybe you're not a Christian and you hear this verse, you're like, see, I told you it's all about good works. It's all about working really hard. And that's actually not at all what James is talking about. Now, you got to remember, we've talked about this several times, but James, okay, his brother is Jesus, okay? And he saw Jesus live. He saw the way that he lived. He saw wisdom from Jesus, and he, he saw the way that Jesus dealt with situations. So he's seen all of this play out in front of him, and so now he's teaching us from that perspective. So what you need to understand there, so when it says, by his good conduct, so if you look at the, uh, the original language, the good part right there is talking, it's more like beautiful. So when you see good conduct, basically what it's saying is, by his good life, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. Now, wouldn't you and I want that? A good, beautiful life. Like, wouldn't we want that? Like, I don't, okay, I won't speak for you, but that's what I would want. A good, beautiful life. And if wisdom gives me a good, beautiful life, then it seems to reason that that's what I should want is wisdom. And now we got to talk about how do we get wisdom? What is the source of wisdom? So verse 14, it says, but if you have bitter jealousy, bitter jealousy being like comparison. So basically what James is going to lay out for us is there's two potential sources for wisdom. He's going to give us a bad source, and he's going to give us a good source. He says, but if you have bitter jealousy, and basically it's talking about comparison, and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not the wisdom that comes down from above, but it is earthly. It's like, it's the here and now. It's the what you can get for yourself now. And then it says this. If there's anything that should frighten you about the scripture that we're reading today, this might should be it. It says it's unspiritual and demonic. So, so what James is telling us is there's a potential wisdom that we can get that is from Satan. That's from the pits of hell is what it's saying. It's like, like there's a potential wisdom that you and I can get. And on the surface, we think that we're doing really good because we can, we, we're accomplishing a lot of stuff. We're winning arguments. Um, we're winning trivial pursuit, whatever the case may be. And we think that we're doing really, really good. But he says, be careful because there is wisdom that doesn't come from God at all. It actually comes from Satan. For where jealousy and selfish ambition exist, there will be disorder and every vile practice. So just from my perspective, like if there's a way for me to avoid something that's demonic, like I want to avoid that. Like that so, so when he says that, I like... Okay, I need to figure out what does it mean then for me to have this wisdom that doesn't come from above, that doesn't come from God. I want to make sure that I don't have that kind of wisdom. Like I don't want to even mess with that, right? And so I'm trying to think through what does that look like. And so he goes on to talk about other things. And so I think one of the things that it talks about is, is 
bitter jealousy, like the comparison. And I think that comes from like self-centered ambition. Like you start comparing all kinds of things. Like I have the better job. I have the better family. I have the better car. I have more knowledge than you. Like I know things. I can beat you in an argument. And we even, I don't know if you've ever noticed this before, we even compare our woes and sorrows have you noticed this? Like, it's even a comparison to see, like, how was your week? Oh, it was pretty bad. You, well, you know what? Mine was worse. Like, why do we compare that? Like, it all becomes like this comparison, and it's like this, this, and so we start talking about what, what, what is good for me, and then I don't know if you've ever heard this terminology. Like, I just need to discover myself. I need to be me. I need to find out who is me. I need a better me. I need to love me. Have you ever heard anybody say those kinds of things? And it becomes, when everything becomes about me against everybody else, it's about gathering all of these things so that I can compete against you. That doesn't really seem like wisdom at all. And so one of the things that we have to to go against or or guard against is this self-centered ambition. The other thing that we have to be careful about is like this self-achievement, like I was going to say when you go into a bookstore, but we don't do that very often anymore. I mean, some people, okay, I know I just offended one person, but there's not many bookstores. She's just like, there's a person who really loves bookstores in the room, and she just gave me the worst look ever. Um, she's like, but, but think about it, though. Like 10 years ago, we had lots of bookstores. Now you can just get everything on your phone. So what I was going to say is if you go into the one or two bookstores that are left, there's this big section, right? The self-help section. Now, I'm not saying that there aren't things in there that maybe could help you, but it becomes like, how can I better myself? What can I work on? How can I do things so that I can become better? And it becomes more about this self-achievement kind of thing. We even kind of do it a little bit from the spiritual perspective, we, we do self-achievement, like I got to better myself, I got to work harder than everybody else, I got to be smarter than everybody else, I got to look better than everybody else, I got to drive this car, I got to live in this neighborhood. And so we do it in those ways, but we also do it in the spiritual way as well. We think, this is the way that it works, we think sometimes that if we just get God to like us a little bit more, he'll give us what we want. We think if we, if we can just be good enough, then God will give us what we need and what we want. And we treat God like some sort of cosmic vending machine that if we do put in the right coins, so you put in the right coins, and then you push the right buttons, so you push D7, and you get out what you want. Have you ever had this experience, though, like with a real vending machine? So you go up to it, you put in your money, you push your thing, and nothing happens. Like, has that ever happened to you before? You push your numbers, and it doesn't do anything. Now, I'm tempted to say 98% of us do the same thing when you don't get something. There, might be, there may be an exception, okay? 98% of us do the same thing. We, push, we put in the money, we push the buttons, nothing happens. This is what we typically do. And then we start kicking it, right? Right? <laughs> That's what we do because it didn't give us what we wanted. We did all of the right steps and then it didn't give us what we want and we get ticked. 
And if we're not careful, we operate the same way when it comes to the spiritual realm. And we think, I'm bettering myself spiritually. I go to church. I go to community group. I read my Bible every once in a while. I'm putting in all the right coins. I quit cussing. Like We do these things, and we think that we've put in the right coins, and we've pushed the right buttons. Therefore, God owes us something, and he owes us what we want. And then when we don't get what we want, we get kind of pissy about it, and we start banging and kicking and getting frustrated. And so when you look at the very first part of, of James uh, chapter 3, starting from verse 13, that's what it's talking about is you can't work hard enough, you can't be good enough, you can't do the right things and then get this godly wisdom because that's not what it talks about. That's not how it happens. So if then there are two sources for wisdom, so we'll say a, a wisdom that comes from above, that comes from God, and just for the purpose of conversation, a wisdom that comes from below, some demonic or, or, or hellish wisdom, okay? Can we say that? That was kind of fun to say that. Um, we don't want this wisdom. We do want this wisdom. So how can we get it? What can we do? If God is the source, how can we do that? Like it's, it's a little bit interesting because if God is the source for wisdom, that leads me to, to a perplexing place because I can't get to God. If God is the source of wisdom, I can't get to God. Like I can't be good enough. I can't do enough good things. But that's what the beauty of Christianity is all about, is that we don't actually have to get to God. God comes to us through his son, Jesus. And so, so the source of wisdom is actually a person. And so uh, the source of godly wisdom is actually a person. And it even tells us, if you look back in verse 15, it says, this is not the wisdom that comes down from above. So as he's talking about this uh, hellish wisdom. He's like, that's not it because there's wisdom that comes down from above. God sent his son Jesus who is wisdom that comes down from above. And, and, and what you may initially think is, okay, Bob, that, that sounds great for a preacher talk, but that sounds like a little bit of a stretch. Oh, really? It won't show up on the screen for you this morning, but listen to this, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 and verse 31. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption, so that as it is written, let one who boasts, boast in the Lord. It clearly says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30, that Jesus... Who, be, who became to us wisdom from God. We get a chance to have this godly wisdom, not because we deserve it, but because God sent it to us through Jesus. Okay, so then what are the implications of that? Okay, that sounds great, but what are the implications of that? So look what it says in verse 17. So James chapter three, verse 17. Um, this one's kind of cool, like on a weird, freaky level. Look at this. I wanna, I'm gonna show you an interesting comparison. So James 3, 17, it says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. So it gives us a list of godly wisdom. So we also, so we just went through a list of 
ungodly or hellish wisdom. Now he gives us a list of godly wisdom. And I want to point out a couple really interesting things about this list. The first thing is it says good fruits. So we talked about this uh, two weeks ago, yes? Two weeks ago we talked about the fruit and Tori gave us these examples of uh, uh, an orange tree and an apple tree. I don't remember all the trees that he had and how do you know that it's that kind of tree because it produces that kind of fruit. And so it talks, one of the things it talks about is good fruits. Fruit doesn't make you, but fruit does reveal you. I was hoping for like an amen right there because I thought that was pretty good. Like fruit, <laughs> fruit doesn't make you, but fruit does reveal you. Amen. And now, see, you don't even really mean it now. Like, but, but think about what that means or what that says. It says, it simply says that you can see godly wisdom because it produces good fruit. So it's not like you can say, I'm trying to produce fruit and whatever comes out. Okay, bad illustration. <laughs> Stay with me, focus. And you try really hard to produce whatever it is that you want to produce. It doesn't work that way. But what you do produce reveals, focus. What you do produce reveals who and what is on the inside. Right? Right? Okay. But there's something else. There's something else. Look at this. There's something else about this verse that is super fascinating. So it says, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. Now, at some point today, I challenge you. Can I do that? I double dog dare you to go compare this list. I'm going to draw the conclusion right now for you, but I dare you to look, compare James chapter 3, verse 17, with Matthew chapter 5, 3 through 9. Challenge you to do this. This is fascinating. Like, this is kind of exciting. Look what it says. It says, but, but the wisdom from above is first pure. Matthew 5, verse 8. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. It says, then it's peaceable. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. Gentle, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the hurt, the earth. Open to reason, blessed are the poor in spirit, for their, theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Mercy, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Impartial and sincere, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. So that's Jesus talking about those things. That, that those things are typically called the Beatitudes, okay? But basically he says, when you, when I, this, when I, this is just me, this is Bob talking. When I look at those comparisons, when I start talking about what does it look like for me to be a person that has godly wisdom? What does it look like for me to be able to produce that kind of fruit that comes out of me? It's simply that. Wisdom that comes from above produces those kinds of things. So if you only hear one thing today, like you weren't paying attention, you're freaked out because the room is different, um, you don't like the way that it's set up today, or whatever the case may be, but if you only hear one thing today, I think this may be should what you should hear. Wisdom from God 
produces humility in us. Wisdom from God produces humility in us. Wisdom from the world produces pride in us. When you think that you did it, when you think that you're smarter, when you think that you're better, when you think that you've accomplished more, that produces pride. But when you realize that the wisdom that you have comes from God, it produces humility, it produces meekness, because you realize you actually had nothing to do with it. You just simply surrendered your life to God, and he began to grow and build in wisdom in your life. Do you see the difference? Like when we work really hard, we're like, good job, Bob. You're pretty, you're pretty smart. You did really good. But when you realize that you actually had nothing to do with it, that everything comes from him, it changes your perspective. And I think it actually gives us the right or a better definition of wisdom. Because wisdom comes from God and has actually nothing to do with us. So then <clears throat> the question comes, becomes this. How can you get it? Like, if we realize that there's wisdom from above and there's wisdom from below and we desire the wisdom from above and not the wisdom from below, then shouldn't we want to know, like, okay, well, I want to know. Like, what are the steps? Like, how can we do that? Well, look what it says in James chapter 1, verse 5. Like, this is oversimplifying it a little bit, but it's true. In James chapter 1, verse 5, several weeks ago, when you look at it, it says simply this, if any one of you lacks wisdom... I think maybe you could even add in there, if any of, any of you have hellish wisdom, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, he who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So if you lack godly wisdom, if you want that wisdom that comes from him, if you want to be able to say, this is from God and not from me, I didn't work at it, I didn't earn it, I didn't do it, it's God, ask can you help me be wise beyond my years? Can you help show me what to say and what not to say? Can you help show me what to do and what not to do? And then in the last verse, in verse 18, it says this, which I think is a great reminder, like James knows our nature. Like, it was first a movie, <clears throat> now they're making it into a TV show, it's called uh, Limitless. You know what I'm talking about? You take this little pill, anybody, in, I see like three, anyways, here's how it works. You take this little pill and for a short amount, I don't know what the time frame is, for a short amount of time, you use 100% of your brain power, like you become the smartest person in the universe when you take this pill. Like, give me that pill, right? Like, I'll take that. That's what our... Our nature wants that. That's how we want to operate. Like, give me a pill, give me a shot, give me something so that I can become this smart. So I can have this wisdom. Drink, give me this pill. <clears throat> Look what it, James knows that that's how we operate. Look what it says in verse 18. It says, And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Now on the surface, you're like, that doesn't say anything about a pill or getting it fast or anything. No, it doesn't. Because you know why we're like, I don't even understand what that verse means. You know why? Because 99% of us, actually probably, I guess 100% of us in the room, I don't know, like we don't currently live on a farm. Right? Anybody? 
live on a farm? Anyone? I'm just curious. Anyone? I didn't think so. See, you got me last week when I, on the horse thing. Last week I asked how many people read a, rode a horse, and I didn't think there would be very many people, and everybody was like, oh, I've been on a horse, so it messed me up my illustration. This time I got you. Like, none of you live on a farm. So we forget what it's like to live on a farm and how the farm operates. Okay? Look what it says. Look what it says. And a harvest. We don't have a clue about a harvest unless you grew up on a farm or unless, like me, you got loaned out to your grandparents who lived on a farm <laughs> because you were free labor. Like, so unless you experience that, you're not really sure what that means. It says, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace. I, I'm, I'm not messing with you. I was loaned out to my grandparents for the entire summer every year. Like, and I assumed that everybody's grandparents were like my grandparents, because that's all I knew. I got farmed out to them, and I get there at the beginning of the summer, and we're like planting and watering, and any of you, any of you ever hoed cotton before? Okay, three people. You, it's like 199 degrees, and you're walking down this row. There is no shade. And you're out there chopping weeds down and somebody tells you because it's going to be good. I don't know. And you're out there. Anybody ever hauled hay? Anyone? Okay, a few more people. Like that's hard. But at the beginning of the year, you got to water, you got to fertilize, you got to do some stuff, and then you got to cut it down. Like it's a process that you have to go through. It's not immediate. But then you know what happens when winter comes around and you get to go into the pantry and you see hundreds of jars of canned whatever and you're like okay I just uh, that's okay I put in the time I'm going to enjoy this that's what that verse is talking about is that it doesn't happen fast that you have to have patience that you have to plant it you have to sow it you have to cultivate it like we can say God give me wisdom and you think that he's just going to give you a pill and you become limitless and you just take it and you just immediately have wisdom like you got to work it you got to pro- you got to do the process you've got to plant it you got to be patient but we're not patient you know why we're not patient like there's a lot of reasons why we're not but I think one of the biggest reasons why we're not patient is because we have microwaves I'm serious. One of the reasons why we're not patient is because we have microwaves. Like you just pop that bad boy in there and you hit one one twice because it takes too long to hit one zero. <laughs> like that's the one, that's, some of, it took you a while. Some of you didn't get that at first. We're not patient because of the society that we live in. Yeah, when you look at James chapter 3, verse 18, it says, and a harvest of righteousness. Don't you want that for your life? A harvest of righteousness is sown, and it says, in by peace. Being patient. So what does it look like for you and me to make sure that we have godly wisdom, not hellish wisdom? The tricky part In my opinion, the tricky part is sometimes those things look very similar. And you may think that you have godly wisdom, but you actually have demonic wisdom. Because if you're not careful, it comes from what you do and not from what God does. 
Like it becomes from how hard you work. It comes from how much time you put in. It comes from I read this book or I went to this class or I did this Bible study or I know someone. And it's very difficult because it's not going to say, how many of you would sign up for this? If, if there was two tables up here and on front of the one table it said, wisdom from God. On the other side is a table and it says, wisdom from hell. How many of you would line up to sign up on this table? Most of us would not because it's sly. It's tricky. It's not going to say, this wisdom is hellish. It doesn't say that because we wouldn't do that. We'd not, most of us in our right mind wouldn't sign up for that. And so what I'm asking you to do is think about are you meek and humble? Are you receiving wisdom from God? Or are you just trying to produce it in your own power and strength? This is the difference between wisdom and IQ. It's the difference between wisdom and scholarly knowledge. I want to read you. So if you want to know more about wisdom, it's in the Bible a lot, actually. <clears throat> but I want to read you just a few verses from Proverbs chapter 2. And I want you to listen to what this says. Proverbs chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, My son... If you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding. Yes, if you call out for insight and raise your voice for understanding, if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures. If I told you that somewhere before in the room before church started, we hid a bag of gold and a bag of silver in the room. If I told you that, would you go look for it? Yes, you would go look for it. You, I, give me that bag. I want gold and I want silver. Look what it says. If you seek it like silver and search for it as like hidden treasures, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for upright. He is a shield for those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and watching over the ways of the saints. Ask him. Search him. Seek out him to give you wisdom. Here's the last thing that I want to tell you about wisdom this morning. I think our biggest problem is we lack meekness. Especially in our culture and our society, meekness is not a word that we use. Meekness is not a word that we understand. If you desire godly wisdom, it's simply saying, God, I need something from you that I cannot produce on my own. You need meekness. But that's not what we've been taught. We've been taught, and we even have stupid sayings for it. We've been taught, if you just pull yourself up by your bootstraps, I don't even know what that means. 
Like if you just work a little bit harder, if you try a little bit harder, if you do those things, if you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you think that that gives you godly wisdom, I'm pretty convinced that that actually means that you have demonic wisdom, hellish wisdom. Because what this teaches us, what this says is that when you surrender, when you say, God, I need what only you can give me, I can't produce it. It changes our perspective. There's not a single, I shouldn't say this, I don't think that there's a single person today, if I would have started out the sermon this morning, if I said, how many of you would say that, you, that one of your greatest qualities is meekness? You wouldn't have raised your hand for that. Because our society tells us that's a bad trait. We don't need meekness. You need to be aggressive. You need to be bold. You need to do this and do that. In this particular case, if you want wisdom from above, you need meekness. And it doesn't happen by putting in the right coins and pushing the right buttons and God gives you something because you think you deserve it. God is about God and his glory, not about you. But if we're not careful, we start thinking that God is about me. Because we are about me. Okay, that sounded weird. You're not about me, but you're about you. You know what I'm saying? You're about you. Meekness. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this morning. And I ask that you give us wisdom.